This is the Smooth Operator Podcast. I'm Adam Liette, Director of Operations for a seven-figure online business and eight-year veteran of Army Special Operations. On this show, we get into the tactical nitty-gritty of what it really takes to run a thriving online business because at the end of the day, operators lead the way. What's up, Smooth Operators? Welcome to Friday. So glad to have you. Hope you've had a great week. And as always, it's time for another interview. And I always say this, I'm, I'm, I'm like a broken record because I, I have the best guest ever. And it's just like time after time, I'm, I'm just, I don't know. It's wonderful how the universe aligns us with amazing people. When you put yourself out there, when you connect at a, you know, more than surface level, as you know, it's it, this is not just like Facebook DMing level, but when you actually get to meet people, get to work with people, it, this is an amazing place. And so that's why I can't wait for this episode. Uh, so just, I've worked with this, uh, the guest that I'm bringing on, I've worked with her professionally before. And she's one of those people that came into my life at the exact right time where I really needed support. I needed people to point me in the right direction to help me unclutter a lot of the stuff that I had built up in my own brain and led to a ton of success for me, both personally and professionally, which is why I'm super geeking out about having Kelsey Warren from The Seamless Coach on the show. Kelsey works with individuals and businesses to help them elevate their well-being and prevent burnout by identifying and aligning their workplace values. So that's a loaded topic, right? But Really, we're going to get down to some really tangible outputs, things you can start employing right here, right now, in your own life and with your team. Just, I can't wait. Let's just jump straight to it because I got Kelsey right here. Kelsey, how are you doing today? I am doing well. Thanks for asking. I'm super excited to be here. And thank you for that introduction. That was, I could cry right now. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, when I got you booked, I'm like, I'm so excited. This is great. So Me too. Kelsey, tell us a little bit about yourself and about your journey to the seamless coach. All right. Well, I will keep it short. We'll keep it brief. I guess it's brief as I can. So just a little bit about me personally. Uh, we live in North Carolina. I uh, have a wonderful husband of almost 10 years. I have a three-year-old daughter, two dogs sitting right here. So apologize in advance if they get a little wild. Um, my background is actually more in the clinical mental health space, have about eight years there in different capacities as a clinical therapist and former social worker, uh, now pursuing a PhD in organizational psychology, which is very exciting. And this is where this well-being and burnout and values uh, topics come from. It's always been of interest for me. So really, it was about me combining my workplace values, what I was discovering them to be, some changed over time, and combining the clinical education and experience that I had with business. So when we worked together, that was definitely in a business coaching and leadership type uh, situation. And I enjoyed working with small businesses so much. It just kind of made sense to me like, okay, I, I love this. I love being around these people. And I think I'm also an entrepreneur at the same time. It was like <laughs> this realization all at once. And so that all kind of mushed together uh, what I would call my professional purpose. So it is aligning everything with my values, my education experience, where I need to be, and just what I would call like my superpowers, I guess, as a coach and consultant, that is the professional side of things. 
I hope that covered it. <laughs> you know, it's funny you said that because I had the same realization. Like I didn't know I was an entrepreneur. I didn't know I had this drive in me until I found out and discovered who I really was. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And like that personal realization, I, just looking back at that moment in space where I'm like, holy crap. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And owning that too, right? Like it's yeah. such a, like, it's one thing to recognize it, but then to fully step into it, like it's just a whole like unwinding of a lot of things. And then as I reflected, I'm like, wait, I've actually owned several businesses. Even from the time I was like a kid, I just like never considered them businesses. Or even if they were, they were always just hobbies. Never occurred to me that it would be like a lifetime profession. And now that it is just mind is blown every single day, basically. <laughs> Love it. And it you know, enables us to live a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment and mm -hmm. And, you know, there's, this kind of leads into a great first topic where, you know, we talk, you'll, you'll hear a lot of so-called experts talk about work-life balance or like what it means to have that balanced life. And I find it so, like, there's no number to it because mm -hmm. when we're living from purpose, it's just a different paradigm because we're just excited and we want to work because it's fulfilling this inner need. Mm -hmm. And like, have you experienced that? And like, what would you say about that topic? Yeah, that is an interesting one. Um, I think the word balance is really hard. It's something intangible. If I were to ask you or seven other people in the room, everyone would say that means something different to them. And so it's like, what is it? Who has it? You know, how do I get it? And so for me, when I'm talking about it, like relating to burnout specifically, it's it's inclusive of boundaries, but also values and being mindful in the moment. Like if you have the ability to be mindful and present in the moment where you are at, regardless of what you're doing, to me, that is what I would consider, you know, work-life balance. And also again, tapping into those values. So if you are living out of alignment with your values, either workplace values or personal values, it's going to feel like friction always. It's like there's something in the back of your mind where you feel like you need to be somewhere that you're not or you're doing something that you shouldn't be for some reason. And for some people, like the degree of that impact varies, but that definitely also contributes. You know, if you can find like and center around your values, then you use those to make decisions on what you should and shouldn't be doing. Oh, that's so interesting. And I think we we opened up a can of worms there because yeah, we <laughs> when we talk about values, you know, there's if you ask someone what their values are, they're they're likely going to kind of give you this jumbled mess of different mm -hmm. values. But you know, in, in reading some of your some of your work prior to the interview, I know that we talk, talk about personal values and mm -hmm. we talk about workplace values. So what what are some of the different differentiations there, and how do they intermix with one another? Yeah. Yeah, I think the answer to that is that they do intermix. So a lot of people have, let's say, um, humor. I think humor is one of my values, both personally and professionally. You've probably seen that, like, even before we started this podcast, you probably saw it. So like that would be the one that like translates. But I also am someone that, to give an example, when I'm at work, I am at work. Like I am on like 110%. And when I am at home, I am like laying on the couch and I don't really want to move. Like I don't feel very extrinsically motivated to do much when I'm not working. So for me, like those values, like the values of like leisure and peace are uh, personal. And then on the professional side, it's like dedication, perseverance, like all these other things. And so 
to your point, they can be, you can have values that overlap and you can also have values that are separate. When we talk about workplace values specifically, the research points to when you have value alignment in your role and in your work environment, it not only contributes to well-being and job satisfaction, it's actually a protective factor against burnout. Mm. That's interesting. And I wonder at the organizational level, because organizations have values too, right? Yes. And yep. like, let's say I'm running a team, I'm, I'm the head of a, a team, like how do I Am I infusing my own values into the organization or am I the organization kind of taking on its own set of values or is it kind of a natural thing that the CEO's values are going to be reflected in the business? I think that is very dependent on the business. And I also think that there are documented business values and experienced business values by the employees specifically, right? And that shows up in your processes and procedures, the way that you plan, how you reward and contribute to the organization. You know, if you say that you value a specific thing as an organization and then operationally or behaviorally, you don't ever, you know, call out the employees that are embodying that value or you don't mm. promote the leaders that are doing those specific things, then it kind of just gets lost in the sauce as you would say like those there's lived and experienced values by employees and there's also just what's on the wall and so those um when i'm work i work a lot more so with individuals than i do i do some business consulting but on the individual side i think the frustration really does come or this friction that i mentioned it comes when an organization says that they have specific values and then those aren't carried out throughout so from a CEO perspective, I think a CEO would have, you know, obviously some value or the whoever, you know, the founder of the business has values as well, personally and in the workplace. The organization may have separate values or a set of values that they operate by strategically. And I think they all do overlap, but it can be different as well. Yeah. And you hit upon something so critical there where you'll see these companies like mission statements. So mm. here's our mission. Here's what we do. But if it's not experience, if it's not accompanied with action. Yep. So like now I'm wondering about all my values and trying to find actions to align to them. Yeah. Because I mean, action is our values in motion, right? Mm -hmm. And it's where we're actually, you know, making them tangible instead of just this pie in the sky nanny right yeah yeah and also i think what you just said encompasses it beautifully actually like action our values in action right but also they're a lens for decision making too so if you are not actively including your values in conversations around you know who you how hire how you work where you work the planning the process all of the projects you're working on like i i have a piece people processes projects procedures mm -hmm. you don't have you hear the dog now if you if you don't have those things your values aren't a part of the conversation then they're actually not present wow so would you say to someone who like comes in they said well i don't know what my values are like how do we even determine what our values actually are versus googling best values to have yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah from from a workplace perspective and i think people typically have a, a general idea of their personal values or what means the most to them but from a workplace perspective 
I think I always like to ask people, you know, when you think about the longevity of your career, what stands out to you the most as far as like what made you feel successful? What projects did you enjoy the most? This is really more of like a reflective process. Um, do you have a mentor? What values do they embody? What things do you feel like you've had to compromise on in your career? That is a big one that kind of draws out like the inverse, uh, things I don't want. Um, right. So that is a good way as well. And also I think it is important to just understand that your values can change over time. And for some, a lot of people, it's the realization that they've been holding on to values that no longer serve them or values of other people um, or society. And yeah. uh, we're conditioned that way, you know, from the time we are children, right? We have mirror neurons and all these neuroscience fun things that, you know, as a baby, you're going to go and do something and then you think it's fun. And then you look back at your parent and they're like, no, don't do that. Like that is wrong, right? From a natural age, we have like all of these things that we want to go do, but we have parameters around that. And so over time, you know, you think about in high school, you had a specific teacher that really influenced you or your group, your friend group, you know, you're kind of taking on all of these values from other people. And then as you get into the professional space, you are taking on values of mentors, you are taking on values of colleagues in the space, wherever you, whatever industry you're in. And so to kind of almost check yourself in that moment, like, am I holding on to any values that are maybe not my own or have my values shifted? I know for me, uh, when I had my daughter, that was a like pivotal moment for me, a value, you know, part of the reason why I got out of therapy as far as uh, from a values perspective, like flexibility and like just the crisis work. And that was heavy and my values shifted away from like solely career focused to now I'm like, feel like my time is split a little bit for good reason, she's amazing. Uh, but that recognition for me, created a lot of like shame and guilt around leaving because mm -hmm. I didn't accept at that point that my values had also changed and how I viewed my career and my relationship to my career had changed too. That's fascinating. And I, I felt that too when leaving certain, like I used to be in the military mm -hmm. and I loved every second of it. And people, well, would you do it again? I'm like, you know, I actually would, but I started having kids and saw that my prime value now, like now, now that I'm past it, I can look back and reflect and be now, and I'm aware of why I made those decisions because yeah. it's actually my values were shifting. Mm -hmm. And so I had to shift my life to align with my new set of values. Yep. Yeah. Ooh, that's heavy. That's a, <laughs> that's a little too heavy for a Wednesday afternoon. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it can be, it can be, it's a process, right? And it's always going to, they're going to continue to change too, as things go on as you know even from like a workforce perspective you see that you know at last year a great resignation this year the great reshuffle all of these things this is not the first time that that's happened in the workforce you look back and you see like there was a certain level of work experience in the 50s and then that mm -hmm. drastically shifted in the 60s 70s about how people worked and why they worked and where they placed values as far as work versus fun and play but those happened as a result of like major cultural shifts as well you had you know the vietnam scenario there was a lot going on at that time there is just a lot of restructuring and then here obviously the thing that shall not be named you know <laughs> over the last few years that's caused people a drastic reprioritization of values as well yeah. because 
when you only have work and home, it becomes very clear what's misaligned for you in those moments when you can't go out and experience like relationships and people and things. Yeah. And I, I see all these pushes from managers to like bring people back to the workforce and stop mm-hmm. remote work. I'm like, I don't think it's going to be easy as you think it is guys. Like people realign their lives over a couple mm-hmm. year time frame, And it's not just, that's a, not a subtle shift. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I know personally I'm ruined from ever working in an office ever again. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does definitely get a little lonely sometimes. <laughs> but I won't lie about that. But yeah. But that's why we have the dogs, you know? Right. Exactly. I have two coworkers sitting right here. So yeah, I think just for context, as far as like burnout, great resignation, workforce in general, what we're looking at right now, especially if this, you know, you're speaking to people that lead teams, that understanding that your employees are going through what you just said, like, that's heavy. They're all going through it because we have had, like, they have to. It has been a reprioritization for a lot of people of what they value at work and not only what they do for work, but how they work as well. Right. And and I've, one thing that's really kind of saved, been a saving grace for me, working remote, working alone, is solopreneur, is the relationships that I built and the various mm-hmm. networks that I built. And it's an interesting thing that kind of connected in my head as you're talking is that when we talk about values and personal values and organizational values or professional values, I should say, it is reflective of what we're experiencing in society. Society mm-hmm. definitely has that impact. And that's been true since, you know, Pavlov, you know, yeah. every single organizational psychology book will talk about this. So I think it's very critical to when you're building those networks and building those net, you know, support groups, like you're, you're aligning with people that are aligned at that level. Right. Yep. Definitely. And I think it's good to surround yourself with different thinkers, but also I like to view your career your, as a relationship truly, because it, it's the most intimate relationship you're ever going to be in with, with yourself. And so it's like mm. the like the longest like the, you have to just you can't escape it in most cases unless you have that like you know financial freedom right so it is something that you want to do it with people that have similar values to you same same as if you were going to find a spouse or a partner in life like you may have differences of opinions but the fundamentally those values should be primarily aligned oh i love it well, I'm gonna have to do some serious journaling already. I can tell from this. <laughs> I have which a, is free a journal, so you need to download it. <laughs> she does. Yes, it will be linked on the show notes because journaling, if you're not doing it yet, guys, is amazing. Like you're gonna unlock some serious baggage, with, and it's gonna be painful at first. Yeah. But there's a there's there's a beauty at the end of it, and same with meditation, which is I I never thought meditation would be part of my life, and here it is. Yay. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Fantastic. Okay. Well, we, yeah, we, I don't, I don't want to go too far down the full rabbit hole because we have a lot of different topics (laughs) that we want to talk about. I've experienced this myself. It kind of goes hand in hand with the last couple of years and the stressors, all these external externalities that bled into what we're doing. Like burnout became a real thing for me as we were first meeting several years ago. Mm -hmm. Like, how do we, like, what is burnout? Like, at, at the, at the ment, at really at the mental level, mm-hmm. and how do we know when we're burning out and like, what can we do about that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that there are a lot of opinions about this out there. I'm going to speak to what the research says, just because that is who I am. Um, and also just work with clients in general, what I have seen as far as like cycles of burnout. So burnout, work related burnout. Now it's coming out. I want to preface that there are, you know, caregiver burnout. There are like different forms of burnout at this stage. Um, mm. But true burnout from work is not always just about overworking. So I just want to make that clear. And I think sometimes the assumption that it is an individual only problem or issue is actually untrue. So what the research will say as far as the spectrum of like who's, I don't want to say whose fault, but like the root cause of burnout, it's actually a little bit of in the middle as far as is it an organizational issue or is it an individual or employee issue? So on an individual level, there are is, you know, evidence to support that people that have higher tendencies toward um, neuroticism, perfectionism, people pleasing, we don't know what those things are. <laughs> but um, that you you tend to lean more toward burnout because of the because of the way your values lie and like just the way you're talking about how work feels like home right like work to you is and so shutting it off becomes difficult and then on the other end from an organizational perspective this is where you get into the demands and resources model so we have to also recognize that when burnout at work you are not only dealing with individuals but you are dealing with demands at work and proposed resources at work to deal with those demands and demands at work could look like a whole list of things some of the top ones that you see most frequently are things like workload but it could also be ambiguity it can be uh, like micromanagement it could be team dynamic issues it could be value misalignment for you um, and, and there's also personal stress that can come into play there that can carry over and bleed into the, the organizational side of things. But I think where we miss the mark and get it wrong is when the resources come into play. So a lot of organizations will push resources. Here's a day off, you know, do more self-care. And they're not either adjusting the demands that are specifically at work or they're not providing enough resources at work. And so resources at work can look like value alignment. It can look like autonomy. So giving people the freedom, flexibility to be creative in their roles, to be innovative. It can look like structure and support, right? Having a clear direction, knowing where you're going. It can look like team cohesion, supportive leadership, but it can also be more tangible things as far as, you know, especially in small businesses, having a project management system. <laughs> or having a system of communication at all. You know, if you're all just texting on your phones, like that's a, probably a demand on your employees at that point, not considered a resource. And so that also brings up another point, like things can be demand and a resource depending on like how they're being utilized too, which, you know, that makes uh, processes, procedures so much more important, right? If people, your employees don't know that they exist or they don't exist at all, then you're likely dealing with a demand instead of a resource. Whoa, I just had a light bulb moment there. I tell you, because you're talking about what is a ends up becoming a demand on our the people we're working with. I've, mm -hmm. I've met with so many people who, like, yeah, I know like that system will work. I don't like it though. And I'm like, well, it's not always about you, brother. It's mm -hmm. 
like you got to do the best for the organization because I know from a managerial perspective plus a team member perspective that especially you hit on micromanaging that transactional management that's exhausting yeah. from yeah. both ends yeah. but it's like our default in how we actually manage things mm-hmm. instead of empowering and enabling and a lot yeah. of times correct me if I'm wrong like it, it comes down to having really candid conversations and allowing your team to be open to you and you being open to your team right Absolutely. And there's, you know, especially in the small business space, there's really a a lot of, I don't want to say there's no reason for it, but there are so many tools that you can use as resources to overcome some of those challenges. Like I, like you mentioned, I don't like the way this is. I think of something like Asana, for example, multiple ways you can view things. So my uh, operations assistant loves the list view. I can't stand it. It makes my brain hurt. And so I prefer the board view. Like there are tools out there that like, allow people to just do what they're going to do, get to the same result, And mm. they, I mean, it removes so much friction for them. And it's no longer like, I would much rather use a project management system and view it as a resource than something that frustrates me and is then a demand. You know, I, <laughs> I've always, cause I'm an Asana junkie. I'm a nerd on it and I've built multiple million dollar companies on Asana. I want to see it. <laughs> ours, is, ours is in the works. Well, I mean, I have a coaching program for that, Kelsey, oh, but okay. yes. <laughs> we'll chat later. It's funny cause I'm a list guy and you're mm-hmm. not, you're, mm-hmm. you want the boards. And I've always want, I've always been like, why do you guys make both these available in the same thing? And now it's like dawned on me that Asana was actually really brilliant in making the same project visible in multiple different formats to accommodate different ways of digesting and perceiving information flows. Yeah, absolutely. And then that gets even deeper into how, right, how you work. So, mm-hmm. and also like gets into all of the, we talk about like diversity or diversity, equity, inclusion, like in your employees as well. Like I am neurodivergent, so like that I have kind of that lens as well. But like, I think that if you are thinking about things in the lens of how can we make this a resource for people, or if it's not something that can be changed like that, like not every process system or protocol can be adaptable to the ind- on an individual level. But then it, the question then becomes like, how can I coach and support and provide resources at work to help make this still considered a resource instead of a demand on this person. That is so cool. That opens up so many possibilities of what we can do. Cause I mean, you hit the nail on the head, like, Oh, we'll give you self-care days and wellness days. Like, yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, we love those. Yeah. We love those, but it's not going to, if you are fundamentally burned out due to demands being too high and not having enough resources at work and the root cause of burnout for you is something at work. Yeah. Doing self-care is not going to cure burnout for you. And it's why people get so frustrated, especially, you know, we are, it's into January now, having a long period of time off and then feeling that same existential dread, having to go back to work as if you only took one day off when you really had a week off, right? Then you mm. know that you're truly in burnout. And like just to, so as far as like spotting burnout and what it looks like, how do you know? There are dimensions of burnout that are actually pretty, um, across the board like everyone experiences these things and it starts with emotional exhaustion Mm. 
can also manifest as physical exhaustion, obviously, as well. But that's kind of where it starts. And so this is where it gets tricky, especially for managers, employees, and just in general to recognize it because who isn't exhausted right now, <laughs> right? Like the world in general is exhausting, but just know that's how it starts. It's like, and you can see it in your people that maybe you have people that are very, watch your high performers, you know, like you're the, the people that typically are producing a specific level of work or are always providing input if those people stop talking in meetings stop mm. providing their input and value like that is a good like flag of like some, their person's pulling back for some reason maybe it's something at home but like let's check in like is, is there something else going on here and then you move into cynicism wonderful so like this deep-seated like mistrust for whatever reason and it's because like fundamentally you are you have demands and resources and so when you feel like there's just demands 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 and people aren't giving you either the resources that you need to address the root cause or just no resources at all no support then that trust is beginning like it's getting broken down like little by little that i'm like not supported i'm not valued my opinion doesn't matter and so you get into this like cycle of cynicism and resentment toward work and that once you're there i mean everyone's probably either been there or been around someone that is like that and it is a really hard thing to manage it's hard to recognize first because you're cynical like you don't know you're cynical if you're being like <laughs> I, like I'm being negative all the time. Like you don't often realize that until someone else calls it out or you take a step back and you're out of it and like reflect. So that's stage two. So if you start to notice like negativity in your team or you're getting pushback from people that are typically on board with things and it's like, uh, not that pushback is bad, but pushback like that doesn't seem fitting for the situation, like exaggerated almost. Yeah. Um, so then you get into that. And then the third dimension is reduced professional efficacy, which is essentially confidence in your ability to get things done in the way that you are typically used to. So mm. when you go through exhaustion and then you have cynicism and resentment, you get to this reduced professional efficacy. You might be dropping balls either intentionally or unintentionally. And your confidence is like slowly being eroded over time. And so this is where burnout gets really not dangerous maybe for some people uh because if you stay in it too long what that does to your like long term your career confidence and professional efficacy and what also happens is you bounce back and forth between i'm dropping balls i usually don't and i feel guilty about it but i'm also resentful so i don't really care that i'm doing it it's like okay well work is work but then i still feel guilty because i this is not my like my not my norm and typically it's going against values um that come along with high performers as far as like achievement and things so you get stuck in the cycle like back and forth like i am tired and i don't care but i also like worry about the job that i'm doing and the output that i'm doing and then i'm exhausted but i also feel guilty it's just like it's a cycle that if you don't pull someone out of it they will either leave they will mess something up like to an extreme amount at times or you know they just get further into it can turn into like a depressive or anxious type situation where then you have long-term effects like on your mental health you have on your physical health as far as like blood pressure and you know heart things like all these so the impact of burnout can actually be permanent if not addressed my gosh and i think we've all felt it at certain times it's been, it, 
at employee level and managerial level yeah. and CEO level. I mean, it's it's kind of a I don't want to say it's an inevitability because that's gosh, that sucks. But like I think if you're managing people and you're around people, it's a ma- it's inevitable that you're going to encounter this at some point with either yourself or the people that you're working with. Yeah. So let's say it's someone else, like when we talk about getting in front of it with them, like inter- interdicting, like if we notice someone's becoming cynical, like what can we do to just to intercede and try to be that, I mean, good boss is one thing, but just good person mm-hmm. is another thing. Like how, what, yeah. what, what can we do? Yeah. And it can be a hard space because it's also frustrating to witness. Like if you have ever like had a friend or a partner, even that is in burnout and you're just like, can we please talk about something other than work, like ranting about it. Right. But from a management perspective, obviously, you know, going in and just naming the behavior is going to put people on high alert and triggered. So if you just go into the conversation, Hey, I noticed that you were being really cynical in the meeting, (laughs) not the best approach. Right. Uh, But if you are starting to notice that it's almost like calling out the behavior without naming it. And so essentially like, Hey, I noticed, you were blank in this meeting. Can you tell me more about that? Or I noticed you had pushback in this area. Can you tell me more about like it's true curiosity as far as like not assuming because there, I mean, to be clear, there could also be personal issues going on. We are humans. We're going to bring our full selves to work regardless if people think we should or not. Like that's just how it is. Um, So first of all, knowing your people, like even prior to that, like being able to pick up on those differences because I think some people just completely will miss that change anyway. They'll miss the shift in the personality or the performance, um, which is why I think it's really good to have regular one-on-ones with your employees to know them. It's really good to have some sort of metrics or KPIs to keep track of the output that they're doing so that when you go and have these conversations, like you have tangible evidence to say like, hey, like, this has been happening, but then you also have tangible evidence to provide a resource or a solution as well. So I don't know if that answered your question, but I mean, ultimately you would wanna be proactive in knowing your people, but when you're going to address the conversation, it's how can I support you, but also not from a lens of like, I'm just, I'm here to listen. It's like, how can I act, Mm. where, where's the root cause for you? What's actually causing this? And how can we support in either decreasing a demand or providing a resource to help assist so if you look at for example this person's kpis and they're doing way more than any other person in that role in the organization how can we reduce some of the demands on that person to help or let's say burnout can also happen because of boredom so if you are looking at these and this person's like, I'm just feeling really unfulfilled and you go back and look and like, they don't have much to do. That could be the root cause as well. And so how can you either increase demand or provide a resource in the form of, okay, would you feel more fulfilled, you know, going and mentoring in this area? Like we really don't have a lot for you to do today or this week or this month. Like, is there anything else you're interested in? Like those kind of conversations and just acknowledging that the root cause of burnout absolutely can be something within the organization not just within the person i think is the mindset that every manager needs to have 
And that's a hard thing for us as, as CEOs to yep. acknowledge. Yes. But I, I think it's important that you said that, that we acknowledge that and understand that, that we could very well be the cause. And like, are you guys, y'all, y'all willing to, talking to you listeners, y'all <laughs> willing to look at the mirror a little bit? Because sometimes it is us, you know, which is, but I, I love what you what you said there about it, it is the one to one. Like I, I'm a firm advocate of one to ones. Anyone in my program knows that. Like one to ones have saved employees for me before, where I was able to get in front of an issue because of those one to ones. I was able to develop really strong relationships because of that. But I love that we're not just like listening with flowers and sunshine and lollipops, but we have KPIs and we're working towards those. We're giving our team, the tangible objectives too, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if you know the values of, because the values of your employees are gonna be different. Okay, no one has the same values, like similar. But if you also know the values of your employees pretty well or how they work best, right? Then you can all, like help them also navigate conversations around where they feel like they're misaligned within the organization. For example, if someone really values team collaboration and they've been really siloed on a lot of projects lately, like that can create a misalignment mm. and just like a, but that's hard for someone like on the outside, I can say that, but if you were in that, it would be really hard to identify like, I value team collaboration. I just feel like I'm always working on projects by myself. Like that would be a hard thing right. for an employee to identify. So when you know your people and you know how they work best and what they really truly value at work, then you can help assist in that way as well. So is that something we should even do? Like if we're, when we're bringing people into the organization, as far as like discovering their values, is that like in the pre-hire process or the post-hire? Like, I mean, I think it should be. I absolutely think value should be a part of the employee life cycle, like 100%. And also like the organization still has values and metrics and things to uphold as well. So by no means am I saying like always cater to employees, but I think yes. when the values, as we talked at the, at the beginning, when the values are consistent across the organization and employees know what to expect going in, like I know mm -hmm. that, you know, if this company has value of people over profit, for example, like, right. and they don't actively see that in the onboarding, the hiring, interviewing, onboarding, training, in the development and leadership plans, in who's promoted. Yeah. Right. And even in offboarding, like that, it creates a mistrust as well there. Because if I have a set of values and I'm clear on what those are, and I go to an organization thinking that they have similar values and they don't, that creates friction. I just had a guess the other day. He gave me a great, great quote and it's, I think it's good when used properly, but as lean into the friction, but this is a different type of friction we're talking about. Yeah. You this know, is the un uncomfortable, uh, like something's wrong alarm bells type friction. <laughs> yes. Versus the, we got, it's got to work this out friction, which yeah. if you've been in business for more than 10 minutes, you've been in friction. Yeah. It's inevitable. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Very cool. I've loved this conversation so much. And getting a lot of ideas and a lot of self-reflection, which is always dangerous uh, in a good way. Um, but I, I want to wrap things up by really talking about like taking care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's such a critical part of what we're doing. And I'm, I'm always 
hesitant to give people like my self-care tips because I'm like, well, will that work for everyone? Or maybe I'm just being wishy-washy about it. I don't know. Or maybe it's because I'm still discovering my own best self-care tactics. Mm -hmm. uh, like, How do you encourage well-being self-care amongst uh, your followers and your clients? I'm going to sound like a broken record probably at this point, but truly like going back to your values as well, but not in the sense of, I mean, I would say values-based self-care. However, like it takes a moment of reflection of like, what's going to work for me is not what's going to work for everyone. And yes, we can take inspiration from people. Um, you know, all of the social media is just pushing like skincare this and like workout that like all of the things. Right. But like, if you have a need in a specific area, then using self-care to address that need is going to be most beneficial for you. So a lot of people will just say, I'm taking a whole day off because they, everyone says that I need to, but this is actually not what I needed. What I needed to do is go and make my doctor's appointment. <laughs> so, mm. you know, those are, and I'm not saying like, don't take, I want to be clear. I love days off and vacation. Uh, but I think for me, what I would recommend that everyone do. And so I like to break things up in three categories you, your role, and your work environment. Mm. Three dimensions that you can use to journal or reflect um, and think about, okay, what's going well for me personally right now and what needs work? Yeah. In my role, what's going well and what needs work? And same in the work environment and what needs work. And the work environment encompasses other people. It encompasses your physical workspace, regardless of where you work, right? Remote or not. Um, and it encompasses the company culture in general. Your work is like literally the work you're doing, your time and task management, you know, conditions for flow if you are in a role that allows for that, like your level of impact, etc. And then on the personal side, like your habits and routines, your thought themes, I like to call them thought themes instead of limiting beliefs. Um, but like, like the stories, the stories that you tell yourself, right? So addressing the need in that area. So like you may have a self-care ritual but also be that you love and enjoy do those things, but also be reflective. Like what this week, what do I like feel like I need more mm. of like, what needs more of attention in this area, right? For me. And so that is the lens that I would recommend everyone use as far as taking care of yourself and being proactive, truly proactive with burnout is doing those things before you get to the cynicism and the resentment, because once you're in that, it almost feels like, I just want to do nothing. And what we're doing there is remove a lot of times we find ourselves removing the things that actually give us energy thinking, mm -hmm. I just need rest. I just need to do nothing because I feel overwhelmed. And what we don't realize is that we've removed all of the things that charge the battery. Right. So people will, you know, I'm just going to go lay down and take a nap instead of go and sit on the patio and read a book in the sunshine when yeah. that's really what will give you energy, not necessarily. And I'm, you know, it, that's an example. If you need a nap, go take a nap. But <laughs> like a lot of times it's like, oh, I'm tired. So I'm not gonna go to this dinner on a Friday night with my friends because I need to rest. But really like I'm an extrovert and I need to go be recharged by these people. You know, so like be take note of what you have taken away over time that is giving you energy and what little things can you add back in to help supplement. That is so great because it's so directive of just like, I think in general, becoming more self-aware mm -hmm. of all these things and journaling can help you get there. Just meditation, even 
you, you said the stories we tell ourselves and we all have our stories and it's the good thing I work out early in the morning because I like tell myself stories when I'm on a run or a walk. And it's crazy. Like the things you'll find yourself saying. Oh yeah. The processing. I take a morning walk every morning. I post it on my Instagram, like what my thoughts are for the day. And that is when I write the best caption. So I always do have my phone because I'm just like noting away in there. Like, I think it's a good thing, but that's not true necessarily for everyone. I think that like, not my field of expertise, but I know that there's like evidence out there that like movement in the morning is beneficial for your brain and all the things. Uh, but like being, you know, allowing yourself some sort of space for self-reflection, regardless of when it is throughout the day, I think it's a really important thing. So awesome. Now I'm, I'm going to have some new habits to install because I love <laughs> so many of these things, but habits stack, right? Like we just yep. put more ones on and we might drop the ones that aren't serving us anymore, you know, mm -hmm. just because you've been doing something for two years. It's not serving you anymore. Don't be afraid to move on from it because yeah. we're constantly evolving creatures. I mean, absolutely. Psychology even, has known that forever. Yeah. And even in business too, like there, like depending on your industry, there are going to be times when it's really busy and there's going to be times when it's not so busy. And so you also have to adjust, you know, what resources you're giving yourself uh, in relation to the demands that you have at work too. So cool. Well, I could geek out all day with you, Kelsey, but I do know you you have a very busy day ahead, as do I. So where can our listeners uh, discover more about you? Yes. So I made it easy for everyone. I am the seamless coach on all things, uh, primarily on TikTok and Instagram, but my website, theseamlesscoach.com, LinkedIn, Kelsey, the seamless coach, everything's the seamless coach. That's where you can find me. I love to chat. So feel free to reach out. Fantastic. Well, we'll link to all those here in the show notes. And just from a personal basis, like if you are, if some of this stuff hit home, please reach out to Kelsey. She's an expert in this. And I can say that as someone that got a whole hell of a lot of help from her at a very tough time in my own life. And just from a, my personal self, thank you for what you do. Thank you for the person you are. Uh, you're making a difference in the world. I'm so happy that our paths have crossed and hope we continue to stay in touch because it's good having good people in your life, Kelsey. I agree with values aligned. Thank you for that. You're gonna make me cry. So I have to leave now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that wraps up for this episode, but don't let the learning stop here. Join us in the Facebook group where we'll be sharing the latest tactical techniques and tricks that we're seeing work in companies just like yours. Go to adamliette.com slash Facebook. That's A-D-A-M-L-I-E-T-T-E dot com slash Facebook.